just two local guys with so much to say. So listen to the real estate brothers today. Hey everybody, we are live. This is the Real Estate Brothers, and today we are going to be talking about some April real estate statistics, landlording news, and whatever you guys want to talk about. If you guys want to chime into the comment section, either my Facebook page, Dean's page, our YouTube channels, the Arealoha.com Facebook group, however you guys want to interact with us, please do. We are lonely here, and we are drinking some beers tonight. Uh, what are you drinking, Dean? I just got some Miller Lite can. You're a classic you? guy. I got this uh, fancy fancy beer from Hanakoa. Oh wow! So people can't see it, but is it green? Is it like there's a green screen? Like it's it is. There's a green <laughs> guy on it, but it's the George Imperial Stout with coffee, cocoa, vanilla, and lactose. Oh, fancy, 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 fancy! <laughs> I don't drink that much, but when I do, it sure is expensive. And strong. But let's run this. We just do local guys with so much to say. So listen to the real estate today. All right, Dean, just take us away. Hey, oh, we're getting really elaborate in our production these days, huh, Dean? Yeah, we got nine people watching so far. Oh, just a cool. And, a half and like you said, with this new platform, we can be more interactive too. Yeah, if you guys want to comment, ask questions, please do. And in the various venues, hopefully it'll come directly to us, yeah? So I think. On what, are, what episode number? We're on 39 now. So this is our 39th episode. So hopefully by now everyone knows us. My name is Dean. I'm a real estate professional, former CPA, now a real estate investor and realtor. So jumping into April statistics, fresh off the presses. This came was released today by Home Board of Realtors. The trends are still nothing new. We haven't broken any records though in the month of April. We have on the single family sites, prices uh, going up. C single family median price at 928,000, an increase of about 15% from same time prior year. Closed sales, 375, which is a big jump at uh, it's a 51% jump, but that's all because of the same time last year. This is when the big, when COVID hit and everything started shutting down. And that's when those first few months is actually when we saw the big impact on the real estate side going down before the big spike up. Not really big news, but days on market still riding at nine days on market. And on the townhouse condo side, we have still a seller's market, but not nearly as strong as a single family. No change at $450,000 for median condo. Closed sales, 88% jump at 645 closed sales. And days on market, not much higher than the single family at 13 days. Yeah. So same trend in terms of a strong seller's market these days. And, and why is that? So I like, like in the prior months, I like to look at these charts and not pay attention to the numbers, but like just looking at the graphs going up. So seasonality wise, hitting spring and we're getting into the, you know, spring and summer is typically the hot times. And we're seeing that bump up this year too. Yeah. So we see on the graph, it's starting to go up, which is a good thing, right? So no complaints there. And so for the overall real estate market, that's great. Another great thing on the next slide you'll see is new listings. And so what good thing is that we're seeing those start to come up. So for condos, we had 706 in April and 459 for single family. So that's always a good thing when new inventory is coming on market for our buyers. However, if you go on the next slide, 
which is months of inventory. What's coming on market is still, because sales are still so high, what's coming on market is, is still not enough to give us a healthy inventory. So we can see on the charts, the trend is still on a downward or level trending area. So that's not so good for overall. And again, if you're on the seller side, it's great. You're the demigod, right? We talked about that before. But when you're on the buy side, it makes it really challenging. And yeah, it's rough. But for you buyers out there, my suggestion is to stick with it and pair up with a good realtor so that you don't look so sad like MJ in that picture. But yeah, I'm sure everyone hears a lot about this in the news. As soon as these, the report comes out on the sixth day, it, it's blasted over the news. And especially nowadays, right, with it being such an ultra seller's market and everyone's like, oh, their prices are so crazy. That's how it is. And so I actually want to talk about other things in this episode. So this one for landlords is good news. Depends how you look at it. So I think this is a few days ago. The U.S. District Court over in uh, D.C. have ruled that it's unlawful for this eviction moratorium that's been set. And this is actually a nationwide statement. In the highlight, you can see the question for the courts was, does the Public Health Service Act grant the CDC legal authority to impose the eviction moratorium across the country. And their summary was, no, it is not. So that's a good thing for landlords, not for the tenants who are hurting. But at the end of the day, the question is, if you do end up being able to initiate the eviction, then how are the courts going to be? Because as of last month, the courts were still backed up and the judges were putting low priority on these evictions, knowing very well that this is like, Having, I, I don't know if it's like empathy for the, the tenants or whatnot, but in terms of prioritization, that this would be something that's not as high on the in the court system. Yeah. That's the challenges the landlords have these days, which is good news for the landlords. The next step is execution, trying to get it through the court system so that you can then serve the tenants and, and actually get them out if they're not paying. How long does it take for somebody to evict somebody here? So... We have the moratorium here too, yeah, and it was extended. So right now there isn't any evictions going on. So people who are having trouble with their tenants, in my mind, the best thing to do is try to see what you can get from them in terms of, if not full payment, partial payment, try to catch up because there's really no way of just getting them out of there if they're not willing. And maybe here, not so bad as a mainland. I think in some parts of the, the mainland, there's a lot of people who work the system and they know how hard it is or the time frame in terms of the eviction process and they actually totally abuse the process. And so that's why it's very challenging sometimes. And you got to really make sure you have a good property manager to be able to sniff those people out when they're trying to fill that vacancy. The Californians. No, that, that's not how it is in the South and the Midwest, right? I feel like it's just a different mentality, call it hard work ethic or whatnot. But yeah, it's not really the case. And, and again, it, you think that it's not here, but I, I've heard stories talking to property managers here too, where it's, they're sad to say, but there are people locally who try to work the system down here too. Again, having a good property manager who can sniff them out, do their due diligence, find out. Because a lot of that vetting out is besides the credit check, besides interviews, you're calling the ref references, right? The prior landlords and you're seeing what's the situation and how, how has their history been going. So that's a big thing, I think, for trusting your property manager to doing it, unless you're doing it yourself, but that's, then that's on you, right? Yeah. I think the losers here are the mom and pa landlords, right? <laughs> if we should be doing it. And the challenge too is what do the landlords, what can they do if they have the mortgage or well, you can request from your 
lender forbearance and stuff, but then that goes and messes with your credit too. And then that you're trying to refinance or anything like that, that's going to shoot you in the foot too. So it's like, okay, understand the lowly tenant who's hurting that makes sense but then it's junky and the landlord who has a mortgage has to do something we have a comment from go mark go says i lost 30k on the mainland last year due to eviction protection laws and tenant working the system i agree get a good property manager thanks mark go for that yeah that's a tough thing, man. What? And, and I'm curious what state that was in. See, let's see if uh, we get a response for that one. And we'll stay tuned for Go Mark Go. We'll see where that is. So, segue into the next part of what I wanted to talk about is avoiding reverse mortgage scams. Reverse mortgages in general, they're not to say that they're bad. Oh, there we go. Florida. That was in Florida that Mark had that issue. So this is not any way a slam on reverse mortgages because in itself, I'm not saying they're good or they're bad. The reason why this popped up in my head was because I don't watch too much TV these days, but I jumped on the other day during the day and Tom Selleck pops up in front of the screen and I guess he's a spokesperson for one of the reverse mortgage companies. And I'm not saying that he's a scam at all, but I'm saying reverse mortgages in general, they may or may not be good ideas depending on your situation or older folks situation, but there's actually scams going on regarding reverse mortgages. So this is more like a heads up for Lane, maybe like people like us who are watching out for our parents, or if you're one of the older ones that are going, looking towards a reverse mortgage, you got to keep these things in mind. And since the COVID pandemic, I think scammers have, scammers are always out there and they're trying to take advantage of whatever opportunity, but there's been cases where, you know, Either a trusted family member or caregiver is trying to get the homeowner to apply for a reverse mortgage or even impersonating the relative for that process. Another situation is straight up fraudulent where they're getting the homeowner's ID and then trying to take out these loans and get a handle on the funds. We have people who are getting these reverse mortgages and then someone coming in to tempt them to sell them on this can't miss investment that, you know, or do these repairs for their homes. So there's all these issues out there. And so the point is, be wary. yeah. And not only for yourself, if you have parents or loved ones older than you, it's you need to be aware of this and they need to be aware. And the biggest thing is education, right? So another random thing, Lean on the next slide, you talk about tips, right? So overall, you don't want to get a reverse mortgage just because a contractor is telling you this is you should make these repairs. And keep in mind that reverse mortgage loan officers, they're not allowed to give you investment advice. Yeah, it's separate. Yeah, the lender versus the financial advisor. And if you are looking for reverse mortgage opportunities, same thing like any other service provider. Talk to more than one, interview them, and always con- consider that. Yeah, And you always want to go with somebody like in trust at the end of the day. But the fact that like people have all this equity in their home, is this is a very common issue. Like yeah. People are house rich but cash poor. So they get to the end of their life. Maybe one of the spouse dies. It's typically the guy, right? Because guys don't live as long. And you yep. have the widow and all they have is this money in the house. And the widow doesn't know too much about the money. So they get coursed into these types of things because the only money they have is tied up in the home. So you, you only have these types of options, which I'm not a huge fan of either. Yep. No. I was just talking to a friend today at, at tennis and he was mentioning he just recently retired and after right during COVID, he pulled out a bunch of his money from the, the stock market and he's sitting on some cash, I think, but he's scared to put it back in. And everyone is, has their own decisions to make in terms of finance. And that's actually, I have a slide later on to, to talk about that a few slides later, but yeah. 
point for this thing is yeah, you gotta just be aware of everything. LL Cool P twenty two. How's it going, man? That's cool. On a related note, though, the whole thing about watching out for our parents. I don't know, Lane. I think your parents are a little bit younger than me, but my parents and my in laws they're in the their seventies now, and it's a point in time that you know, we need to watch out for them, making sure that we, sometimes a lot of times we think our parents are independent and they're okay, they're educated, and they're not going to get duped. But, oh, man, just in this last month, I heard about two situations. One of my friend's father got duped out of eight grand, so six grand on one transaction, two grand on another, and it hit the credit card bill. But when they asked the father, what is this for? He said, oh, this is for IT consulting to protect my CPU. And the kid looked into it, and and he looked at the vendor, and yeah, sure enough, it was, it was a scam, and there was no way of recovering it because... I was on a credit card. I had another friend who caught his father coming back from Walmart. He had hundreds of dollars in gift cards that he had amassed and he was going to mail it out. And then when the, the child asked him, what, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, he's mailing out to someone who said they needed help. And that's the thing with GCs is like the credit card thing. You can't track that. Yeah. So that's, we got to be aware. So for our parents, we got to make sure we're planning for the future. Hopefully our parents are setting up trusts, power of attorneys at the point in time they're at not sound capacity. And then we need to know what are those triggers that kick these things into action in terms of did they need to get, what is that, assessed by one, sometimes two doctors to determine that they're not of sound mind. And there's a lot of services out there. Even the U.S. Postal Service has a mail tracking system where you could see what mail is coming through to say your parents house or whatever another thing you can do is get on your parents checking account or credit card so you can see their statements all all these um things just watching out for them yeah i put into the chat if people are interested in wasting a lot of time on youtube you can search trolling scammers and it talks a lot about how these scams work either one or two things they like they get really pissed at you and they, they scare you and then of course then they tell you to go to walmart target to get all these gift cards to send to them or they make you feel really bad for them they're like oh my god dean my boss is gonna fire me and then now you're, now you're like oh no let me go get those gift cards for you and send them in $50 increments for Bangladesh or where the heck these guys are. Yep. I put that link in there. Yeah, I think we talked it on a previous uh, episode too. I was looking to SIM swapping. You, heard, you remember that, Lane? I forgot if it was on this one, but SIM swapping is the SIM cards on your cell phones. So scammers will reach out to an insider for a cell phone company, pay them like 500 bucks. $500 and say, you swap out this SIM card and give that person access to someone's phone. So basically it then brick my phone and they will have access. So if you're doing things like online banking, they could access your bank. If you're doing the, what is it called? The two part factor authentication. Yeah. So now you have your phone and possibly your email. So that's the two factor authentication so then now they'll have access to your bank accounts or whatever because a lot of times a two-factor authentication they, they use a text to your cell phone or an email or a call to your cell phone so all those kind of things are more things to be aware of but anyway yeah I anyway think, just drink a beer and relax. yeah, it, it's yeah. Exactly. for the last point that i want to talk about is just some food for thought right now it feels is a good time for we had just had may 4th and may the 4th be with you but i feel like there's a lot of imbalance in the world right now, whether it be the real estate market, how it's going crazy, stock market, how it's like still, well, I think there's a hiccup today, but you know how it's going off when it doesn't really make sense when you have, you know, countries like India that is hurting so bad. All this government spending going on, 
And like I said, I was talking to a friend and they're like kind of holding on because they're, they don't understand what's going on and why is the market going up, but they're, they could potentially be missing out. There's two sides, right? Cash is king, but I think you need to be active from the standpoint of, and I think you're going to talk about it later too. I was looking at your slides and thing like talking about inflation and stuff like that. We don't want to be curling up in a ball. We want to make sound investment decisions, but we want to keep on moving forward because it's at these points in time that it's opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity. And some sellers, investors and stuff don't have any intention of selling now because they think the market is crazy. But my point is keep an open mind and you got to leave emotion out of the process. Think of what that number is that maybe there's a property that you're thinking of selling and you have a number. If it was ever at this number, then yeah, maybe I consider selling because that's just an outrageous number. But now with the market how it is, we may be at that number. You may want to consider looking at it. Prime example is, Lane, I know you're always ragging me about my Chicago rental and you're like, get out. Actually, I'm going to get out. And that's a lot of because the prices have gone up and the rent rates haven't gone up proportionally. In fact, they've gone down from the pandemic. People are moving out of um, downtown Chicago. So now that rent to value ratio went down and does it really make sense? So I'm actually going to plan to divest of that property. Hey man, let's go to Las Vegas, yes, of course. <laughs> I thought we went to go play. I'm, I want to go Vegas too. Uh, people want to learn more about investing, especially on the mainland, ch- can check out my uh, podcast, Go Passive Cash Flow. And I think that's part of the problem, Dean, is yeah, you got a whole bunch of equity sitting in your house. What are you going to do if you sell it, right? Just sit on the cash. A lot of t- times people just don't know where to put it is the problem. That's where you have to educate yourself and learn. So a few teaching points is we always like to educate folks. So when you sell that rental, Dean, uh, what did you buy that Chicago rental for? And what year? I bought it for, I think, 149 about five or six years ago. What are you going to sell that thing for today? Uh, we're listing it for, I think, we're going to list it for 215 I believe. Okay. So maybe after commissions, you walk away with 200 and yeah. so minus 149 So a capital game of 50 grand? Possibly, yeah. Around there. Okay. Give or take. Yeah. Okay. Any improvements that you've taken? Not much. Yeah. Was... And then any, so you held it for what, five years then? Yeah, about there. So you're probably looking at a depreciation recapture of maybe 15 grand. Just guessing about yeah, there. Yeah. So you got, you're looking at a, a tax, your AGI is going to basically go up by 65 grand. So when you sell that thing, you got to make sure you got your passive losses to offset that. Yeah, and a good point, LLQP22. I tried to call into that one lane. <laughs> I couldn't get into the one LLQP called into also, and it was all filled. So I'm waiting for the replay for... I'm too cheap. I don't want to pay for the 200. Oh, oh yeah. It had 100 and, and it was capped. Yeah, and that's why I don't want to put more money into that program because it's putting money into the stream yard, which is actually cool. It makes like we're hanging out with LLQP and Marco. Yeah, it, it, is, it does, and hopefully... <laughs> They're having fun too. So on this deal, I put in as an LP 60 grand. I got 47 grand back as losses on this one. So on. this one would have pretty much gotten everything for that Chicago sale that you were looking for. It's a K1 form, by the way. That's a year um, one of your K1. Yeah. Got it, got it. And, so you uh, guys did a cost segregation on that one. Yeah. And I'll be the one person that kind of says, what the heck are people doing with all these like remote firms, right? You're giving your money away to some bozo who's not a partner. He's just a vendor. It's just a matter of time before a deal doesn't go as well. And he starts to steal your money and you have no recourse because you're 100% remote. What are you doing? Paying an inspector, right? These guys are not partners to you. And at some point, they're going to choose their family over you, which is why I don't do burrs. If you want to learn more, 
uh, and act more like an accredited investor go to simplepassivecapital.com slash fur to learn the cons of that so this is another thing that's coming up exclusionary zoning policies so this is stuffed away in the stimulus plan so there's a, a lot of it's controversial right so this is like the not in my backyard premise where you, know, you got the nice areas and they don't want to put like low income housing in it and i think we have this in right like core ridge is going to have some low income stuff nilani's got some in fact kakaako just approved the two towers there in kakaako and one of them was 650 doors for howard hughes and that one tower alone is supposed to be the howard hughes's requirements for their low income yeah yeah and i think in hawaii i think things are you have a nice balance of like low medium and high income in our neighborhoods i feel like for the most part but the mainland has a lot more segregated not racially not saying that but economically and it part of it is like they have these harmful land use policies currently and right now the white house is working to remove that basically they back traditionally when you have this type of stuff the not in my backyard premise happening you have crappy areas and you have really good areas right you have the projects basically um Maybe Kalihi's like that because they, they basically stuck all the low income in the one area. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. the trend is to kind of combine things look at better so you don't have projects anymore. Mm -hmm. But what this is ultimately going to do for investors is if you can find properties in more affordable areas, like we try and find those kind of lower than the average places in good neighborhoods, right? So we like to arrive that way with the neighborhood. But something to be aware of that's stuffed away in the stimulus plan. Oh, and so this is talking to your buddy there, Dean, that is stuffing cash away. Mm. What I do know is like the loser will be the person who is sitting on their cash, not doing anything. Because right now I'm paying almost more than double the price of lumber. And look at all these commodities prices just going up and up. And it's because of all the stimulus money coming in. And this right. is how the government pays back their debts. They can just do a little bit of tax inflation but they're mostly just inflate the, the monetary supply so if you're somebody who's just sitting on your cash you're going to be the loser and right. i'll say it like exactly all the older people they're getting screwed over if they don't get their money working uh, on a lot of rents too if you're a landlord rents are starting to go back up after being stagnant for almost a year uh, here are some macro trends with population we've heard this many times people are moving out of the high density areas such as los angeles california bay area especially and they're moving to a lot of these places like Phoenix, Austin, Las Vegas, Dallas, Miami, Atlanta. I gotta trick you into going into D Vegas, too. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta just buy some whimsical property. So I have an excuse there to write off. I'm game, dude. Oh, I told you I have property over there, but it's, it's sitting in my uh, self-directed. So actually, I can't. And technically, I can't travel there to write off that trip. Yeah, that's why I don't like these self-directed IRA accounts. Yes, you can't use any yes. of the tax benefits of it. And you get yeah, the tax benefits if you're investing in real estate anyway. So I don't know why anybody does these IRA things. Was that anyway. a loaded question or what? It's not. <laughs> anyway, let's like keep moving on. But yeah. anyway, with Las Vegas, right? I've been watching all these YouTube videos of like Circa. Have you heard of that? That new one? It, it's like the next to Fremont downtown. They have this like oh. stadium pool that's downtown. And then they also have this new resort world thing. And they're building this orb that's like a theater. Like, well, I still haven't been to Top Golf. I know you're not a golfer, but I still want to try to go get into Top Golf. And I know it's not only Las Vegas; they have them all over the country. But I, I still haven't been there yet. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been to Las Vegas. Me too. I'm Jones, and you got your shot, right? I've got one of them. They don't care about folks like me. 
on last. When San Francisco, or where San Francisco folks move to, this is a Bloomberg article, they're basically moving out of the San Francisco, LA area and into Las Vegas, Phoenix, Tucson, places like that. And then, of course, the Dallas, Austin, Houston story, as always. See, Dean, that's what we got to go to Las Vegas. Yeah. It would be a kind of a. But this is like buying the Porsche, right? Yeah. I mean, at least this one gave an excuse to go to Las Vegas right off camera yeah. there. So they hear the Red State, California, Kansas. Illinois, Ohio, New York, and the other ones are losing people to outbound migration. And some of the top 10 states in migration are Idaho, Oregon, and then South Dakota. There's probably more people in San Diego than the whole state of South Dakota. Arizona, Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina. And the reason why I say all these is for our friends on the podcast. We can also check this out. We also put this on our podcast on a weekly basis. And here's a little fun thing I made for her. This one was like my most popular social media post for the last two months. When I saw this one, I cracked up and this is hilarious. Did you get it? Yes. All I did was like, I switched this one around from some other drug. Oh, I don't, I don't oh, know what it that was. That must have not been a drug. That must have been something, it had to be something positive for it that It was one. like high school or college. I think it, what it was prior, but I couldn't Wait. resist myself. Were those other three one drugs too, or yeah, one? these are drugs. Okay, so that one was something positive and healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think it was the opposite way around. He was smiling, and then he was frowning. I flipped it, and it was something <laughs> not as bad as alcohol, cocaine. Yahoo Finance says Fed holds rates near zero, but notes okay. rising inflation as U.S. economy strengthens. So yeah, here's another folks saying inflation is here. A year of year rent growth. This is what I look at a lot. Where are the rents growing? Yeah, population growth and job growth is one thing, but what ultimately is the indicator is how much are rents growing. And this is, I don't really look at like residential home prices because that's just like emotion, right? Rents are like what the average person is paying per month. So here are some ways that you're going to start to see things get overheated. Investormania 2.0 is what we call it. So single family rental landlords, this is the rise of a mom and pop investor who has some cash, maybe take some money out of the HELOC and, oh, let's go buy a property out in Kakaako. That is incredibly non-cash flowing, but because we put so much freaking down payment on it, we're cash flowing anyway. And we all know, we all shake our head very awkwardly or when they say, yeah, exactly. Or when you go, when the guy who's oh, I just bought a rental property, I paid a hundred percent down and I'm cash flowing great. You're like, all right, whatever. But anyway. The house flippers, right? The house flippers are more gamblers. And then you start to see more of the mom and pop flippers get up. They drink a Sam Adams light and they watch HGTV and they get after it. They think they can flip a house. Foreign investors and second home buyers. I think we have a lot of this in Hawaii, right? Like Japanese, Koreans coming over, buying a house. And then homeowner helpers. Yeah, we get a lot of this too. The parents kind of help out folks get the down payment. Oh, yeah. This is a graph of average units absorbed for property across the United States. And I fudged this up yesterday. So what's happening here is absorption had went up May of 2019 and slowly came down and it's a teeter-tottering, teeter-tottering up in 2020. Another indicator from Rent Cafe is the top 30 hottest rental markets. Um, These are always fun. Yeah, this is how quickly a property gets absorbed, like a tenant gets in there. So the lower competitive score, the better? Yeah, less days to build a damn. Oh, oh, got it, got it, got it. Right, right. So oh, yeah. if you're my property manager in Huntsville, Alabama, and the thing stays vacant for two months, you point here. It's like, what's up, dude? 
Yeah. Average vacancy days is 27 days. You're two times that. What's going on? Right. Looks like a problem to you. We need to fire you. We need to get it. Warren Buffett is right. Inflation is running rampant. So we don't want. Basically, we don't want our cash sitting in the in our checking accounts because we're losing money. If that's the case, or even debt equity in your home. Theoretically, at least we get the appreciation plan. You get it whether you have ten percent of equity or Good fifty, point. sixty percent yeah. of equity. Yes. And I think I would make the same mistake, kind of thinking, not thinking too hard about it too. This is another one. Secure 2.0 is like something they're talking about in the next stimulus or whatever plan they're coming up with. So I don't know. I don't know what this is going to be. It's like the next rendition of the damn 401k again, which the 401k, all that did was unlocked all this money to go into all these Fidelity and Chungo Schwab, Fidelity, all these kind of brokerage companies could get rich off these mutual fund Frankenstein products. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh, I think we're going to come out to the end of this. I released something big this week, Dean. I released the new YouTube channel. And how we always talk to mostly accredited investors that come mm-hmm. to the meetings these days. Mm-hmm. This was a more of a meeting or a, a channel to help out the young guys. Folks like your nephew that just graduated college. What did they do? They don't have any money yet. What did they do with a 401k law? Or do they buy a house? Right? So that's what this Rich Uncle channel is. Oh, Four. perfect. Okay, cool. I have a good place to direct. When I do my high school presentations, I, I have a good place to point them out too now. Yeah. And uh, if you guys like this, you guys can check out more at our YouTube channel and REI Aloha. And we are not giving any legal or fi- financial advice here. And or now's the chance to or tax. But any of you guys still got any questions, any comments, put in the chat now. This is a free-for-all section. But what are you working on this month, Dean? People write out their last parting words. Like I said, Chicago, trying to divest in that. I actually was able to refinance a couple of my doors over in Kansas City earlier this month. And hopefully trying to refinance a few more. Looking for more opportunities, actually, Lane, now that you mention it. I, like how you mentioned the whole thing with inflation and with the fact with Chicago hopefully going to be divesting next month. I need more opportunities to invest in. And I freed up some of my 401k money. I put it into a solo 401k, so I don't have to worry about UBIT and all that stuff. So uh, I'm looking to for opportunities to put that into too. That Kansas City stuff, did you get like a portfolio loan? Or no, it was actually a refi fanny. Yeah. Just yeah, I went to a national brokerage. And I was trying to do more, but I'm waiting. We have to file our tax returns because, you know, I quit the W-2 job two years ago. So not filing the second year tax returns, I'm not showing the income on the real estate sales side. So I have to wait to file that before I can refinance because of how we hold title in some of the properties. Yeah, I was getting a car loan last month (laughs) and we just couldn't figure out what was going on. Oh my gosh. It's, yeah, it's... I could imagine getting a home loan. It's, yeah, I'm, the, the refinance is, is pretty painful, but fortunately I have a, a good accountant who is willing to go through those pains to, so that we can get a, a better rate. And actually we are increasing, we're getting a, a good improvement on the rate and at a good time too. So you went to what, 80% LTV and what percent? Yeah. No, so I couldn't, I didn't cash out refinance. So there's actually more equity trapped in there that I could take out because if I wanted to cash out refi and take some out, it wouldn't be as good because the rates wouldn't be as good as if I just a straight out refinance with the same balance. So 
to your point, Lane, I do have more equity trapped in the property than I wanted. Are you wanted done? To. You want to take the equity out? Because it's not like you yeah. just made the lender 1% origination fee. Yeah. So that's another thing too. We're going with a national um, brokerage. So we're doing a bunch, right? So they say, okay, we do four. We'll give you, we'll waive the fees on the fourth one, something like that. So they always say, <laughs> what they do is, okay, what was your interest rate on that? One is uh, 299 and the other is three and a half because it's a uh, fourplex. So more um, risk, yeah. Okay. The f- you Maybe you could have gotten a 2.5, but then they bump it up, take their fees that way, and they right, tell yeah. you, oh, it's a no fee. Yeah. Oh. The good thing is we just locked it in recently and the rates are going up. So, no, I totally get it, Lane. That's the thing with the refinance. Yeah. To your point is a lot of times the fees get buried because they just say they're going to roll it into the loan. So you don't really realize that you're getting beaten up that way. Yeah, but so you amateurize it, spread it over again over 30 years. So you... The, the payment obviously went lower, but what was the original interest rate you had that stuff at? We we're, were actually, for those who are high, we're like, we're above five, we're five and a quarter, five and 5.5. 5. It was high. So it, I think it made sense, but yeah, to your point, it wasn't the most optimal use of our equity. How long did you have in the amortization schedule left? We probably bought those properties within the last three years. So it's not like we're, oh, it's not okay. like a big reset, not a big reset. Yeah. So it had still 26 years left. Yeah. So, so it, people listening, what you need to do is like ask your lender, Hey, price me out with a 26 year amortization schedule and, and compare that new payment to the old one right. and then see if it's really cheaper. If not, yeah. your lender just pull a fast one on you, just like right. in his fees so you got paid so you go golfing. Yeah. And then a lot of times you want to figure out what is your break-even point, right? So after the fees, when is the break-even point of the reduced rate, right? To your point, Lane. And you don't know when you're going to divest. So if it's like a five, I don't think it'll be like a five-year break-even point for most people who are trying to refinance. But if it is, then you might want to reconsider because maybe it makes more sense just to pound down that principal or something if that's what you're trying to do. So if if your rate was like a point and a half higher, I think what you did was right. But I think you should have just taking that money and put it on your mattress. I lumber. Oh yeah, lumber. Talking about lumber, yeah, that's, inflation on lumber is getting crazy, man. The the price of a two by four, not only here, even in in the mainland. Yeah, tell me about it. But (laughs) all right guys, we'll uh, see you guys next month. Tell your friends and if you need help, let us know. Bye. Bye. Free Real Estate Investing Group, check out REI Aloha dot com.
Hey, just some legal stuff here. Although these two brothers are pretty knowledgeable and have over 2,100 rental units and own over $160 million worth of real estate, the preceding are only ideas and not to be taken as legal tax or financial advice, okay? You should always seek the professional advice of other professionals on your team and think for yourself and do your own due diligence, okay? Aloha.